Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning into the podcast. My name is Danny Cola. If this is your first time here, make sure to hit the subscribe button in the corner so that you can get an update every time a new podcast is uploaded. Today's guest features on its very own Shane Hines. Shane Hines is the director of fitness education at the Onnit Academy. And uh, I will describe Shane as someone very zen, very grounded, very calming. The way he articulates his information uh, is very easy to digest. And when I went to the Steel May certification down at the Onnit Academy, I was very motivated and inspired by the way this guy teaches. As a mentor, as a teacher myself, I like to be around other high-quality teachers so that I could take in and absorb as much of that energy as possible. I think it's very important. So to kind of give an idea of what this podcast is about, I want to read a quote uh, specifically from Shane that I found from the Onnit website. And it goes like this. Improve, optimize, unleash, discover, contribute, empower. Taking life to these next stages of your potential, you must let your spirit be daring. Dare to challenge, be vulnerable, fail, be remarkable, face discomfort, grow, be authentic, release the safe you of yesterday and embrace today, the extraordinary you of tomorrow. Dare to evolve. Shane Hines. Now, uh, this gives great insight to what we talk about in the podcast. We talk about essentially aligning to your true north. And what exactly is that? Can we get there through meditation? Can we get there through flow using the different tools like the mace, like the club, like the kettlebell, body weight? A spiritual journey to me, nonetheless, is finding higher levels of self-awareness. And I think that's what Shane and I talk about in this podcast. How can we align with higher levels of awareness and how can that be of value to people in our community how can we enrich other people's lives by empowering them and we cover all those topics in today's podcast so without further ado enjoy the podcast with shane hines make sure to follow him on instagram at shane hines s-h-a-n-e-h-e-i-n-s enjoy the podcast people All right, Shane Hines, Danny Cola Podcast. You were one of my bucket list guests. And uh, after kind of interacting with you at an on-it event uh, in a weekend, um, you're just a, a teacher that uh, impacted me pretty significantly. Uh, so I'm glad to kind of have this conversation with you, man. Oh, it's my absolute honor to be here. Thank you for asking. Absolutely. So uh, kind of piggybacking off that, uh, you are obviously you're a teacher you're a mentor it's something that's uh, personal to you um as i was watching you kind of mentor leo when he was teaching uh, from afar I, I was paying attention to that so i can see that mentorship and teaching is something that's that's personal to you um how did you figure that out and when did you decide to kind of go all in on that type of skill uh it's interesting because I think other people knew it before I did, really. Mm -hmm. And uh, there was in the environment that I grew up in, they I ended up facing a lot of persecution, for lack of a better word right now than I can think of. But basically, and it's something that I think many of us 
experience growing up in various forms and in various environments, but this idea that I was not good enough mm. and that no matter what I did, uh, I, I would never be good enough and, and that I was always seen as less. And so there was an element of that that I always recognized growing up with that I did believe that I was worth so much more. And mm. I think having the, uh, the belief and love of my parents to really help support me through that. And, and my faith as well. That was a big component of going, no, actually, uh, I grow up with, I'm growing up with the belief that everybody has value. You, me, him, her, like all of us. How did that and, indoctrinate in you? Like what, what faith you, uh, could you elaborate a little uh, bit? More? So I'm a part of the Baha'i faith. And my parents had become Baha'is just after I was born. And so I was raised as a Baha'i. And the primary principle of the Baha'i faith is the unity of mankind. Mm. And, and, or unity in general. So looking at the unity of mankind, the unity of religion, uh, the unity of God, the oneness of God uh, across all religions. And so growing up with that in mind, that was something that for me, I was like, well, no, I look at you and I look at the value that you have and that I have. And even if we have slightly different perspectives, there is truth beneath the surface. Boom. Don't, we're going to go, we're going to go into that for sure. I know there's, there's uh, yeah, that's for sure. Anyway, yeah, you, that's an important piece to, to somebody growing up is that that idea, you know, that everyone is worthy. Anyway, so continue on, on your story there. So I think the uh, a big part of that mentorship or teaching component that developed within me was looking out for those, like having experienced a sense of injustice to a degree mm. it, that I was looking out for others. I've always been drawn to, even when there's a sure win, I'm always drawn to the underdog because it's, well, because they can too. You sure. know, it's not just betting on the sure thing. And so even growing up as a kid, I was always looking out for others who may have found themselves feeling downtrodden or feeling like they're less or they weren't good enough to contribute. And in that, a part of that is I have three younger sisters and having three younger sisters and their being in this environment as well, which was, was rough, but a gift as well. Sure. It, it, uh, I was looking out for them and always making sure that they felt loved and that they felt valued and that anything that I was doing, uh, they could come and be a part of that with me. And so very early on with my sisters, that was sort of, something that just grew and developed that for I was sure. always looking out and, and helping them. If there were things that were difficult for them, it was how can I help them do it themselves? Because something that I was in, in the interactions that I was having, I had to do so much on my own and I wanted them to be able to have the ability rather than just someone come in and save them or someone come in and do it for them, it was how do I empower them? Like, all right, here, try this. Yeah. Okay, now here's your next step, and so on and so forth. By the time I got to high school, 
I had a, a number of them. It was about four or five of my high school teachers who asked me on a regular basis throughout my high school. So Shane, what are you going to do? Like, I don't know. I'm, I'm thinking at that time, marine biology, the environmental sciences sure. and studies was something that was at the forefront of my mind. And marine biology, and I had a couple other things in mind. And they're like, uh-huh, okay, how about a teacher? And I thought, oh, I hadn't really thought about that. But they were already pegging me for teaching, and which I thought was interesting. It was an interesting insight. It wasn't anything that I was necessarily called to in the traditional school sense. Uh, after I graduated high school, I went for, uh, I moved to Thailand for a year and a half. So I graduated high school, was 17 years old, uh, worked at a summer camp because I did work at summer camps uh, throughout my teenage years, uh, I guess, mentoring. There you go. That, I was going to say kind of like a mentorship role. And yeah, I was going to say it's interesting how other teachers kind of find the teacher quality. I, I, I find that in myself. Like I always try to sense another teacher because if they have those intangible qualities and then we do kind of do the give to empower sequence, it, then it has that ripple, you know. Absolutely. And I think I've been you know, over the years, I've found myself in the same position where I see it in others. Like yeah. you can tell when there is a natural, it can be learned. Absolutely. But there are those who are called to it, whether they know it or not. 100%. And so when I was living in Thailand, I was volunteering at a school. So this was a more traditional school sense. And I wasn't going for that specifically, but that was how it turned out. And it was kindergarten and grade one to grade six, Ooh. but I was teaching in a place where almost nobody spoke English. There were a few of the teachers that spoke a little bit of English, but everybody else basically spoke Thai. And so I was being called on to help teach these kids English when mm -hmm. I couldn't speak Thai and they couldn't speak English. And so to have to think about how do you get concepts, principles, different elements of language across when the language is your barrier as it is like i can't use language as the means to teach language and so having to use pictures acting like storytelling like just different kinds of things that would help the kids we played games i would make up games on the chalkboard to try and get them to figure stuff out and and I could always see the hint. And it's so funny because I always think back to those classrooms. I would see the glimmer of recognition in the eye of a kid who would get it. And I would look for that. And when they would go, oh, I'm like, okay, you, you, you. And I would get them to say the word. And then I was slowly learning Thai from them as I was trying to get the English concepts back. Unbelievable. That's, that's a cool parallel. So that was super, so that was super powerful where I, I really had to use, you know, everything I had. Yeah. It'd be creative thing to be creative in order to teach. And that has really influenced my teaching or coaching style and very much of what we do at on it where when you're communicating it isn't just one way of communicating the message because i look for the glimmer in the eye and when someone gets it even if it seems like a super odd way of approaching it I'm like i'm using that because that's going to help them 
go sure. to the next step and keep sure. moving forward. Build, build momentum. And, you know, funny enough, in a classroom setting, I find that that right there, that 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 glare that that ripples then one kid sees the one kid get it they get the confidence and then boom and then it has this ripple it's it's very interesting that you have that that uh dynamic in teaching in a different country did you find that you uh, like some of the parallels from united states and uh thailand were obviously different in the way that their education system was kind of uh, very much so actually there's uh the education there in the way that education is delivered and discipline is doled out is way we That's have huge. it super easy here in North America, like super easy. And it's interesting because there are advantages and disadvantages to both because mm. when we were there, it was very strict. And if kids were acting up or there was anything happening, there was a stick that came out. I grew up like <laughs> sticks uh, were a part of, the environment that I grew up in, but that represented the beat down. And mm. so I don't have a good relationship with sticks being used on children who I'm trying to elevate. Right. As opposed to, and so, and the teachers were like, yeah, yeah, no, you go ahead. You use that if they act up. <laughs> and I was like, mm, yeah, I can't, I can't yeah, do that's that. Interesting. Um, but at the same time, there was also a level of because kids are kids around the world, no matter what. Kids need to move. Kids need to play. Kids can focus for a time, but then they need to allow the imagination to sure. uh, percolate and to just have different kinds of interactions. But there was a level of focus that the kids put in that is often taken for granted here in North America. And in North America, we could use a little more focus in our school and I agree. a little more intention but it's not about forcing the kids to have focus and intention but rather creating an environment where that can come from them and that's a whole other rabbit hole oh yes around our <laughs> education system it's so true it's so true and I, you know one day i would love to pick your brain because you're i love the way you communicate i think communic effective communication is a, is a superpower of any human and especially someone who's you know in front of people influence them influencing them so the way you're you're saying those things really resonate with me and maybe we 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 do meet again and, and talk about those types of things because that's that's very interesting information but uh i digress so what came out of the uh the thailand situation and your your uh situation or your uh journey as a teacher there so from there i recognized that i did not want to be a teacher in a traditional school system that was very clear because there were the limitations and restrictions that would make it difficult to be as creative as I could see myself being. And not just for my own purpose, but being creative in a way that can help elevate people getting the information and yeah. being able to apply it and empower them and whatnot. So after I came out of that, I came back, I came, I went to college and I, uh, went to college for environmental studies. Uh, from there, I went on to work as a conservation officer. So I grew up in the Arctic and where I ended up going back up north to work as a conservation officer or a fish and wildlife officer 
a ranger, depending on where you're at, they have different terms. Hmm. And so we were referred to as renewable resource officers because we got sworn in as fish and wildlife officer, environmental protection uh, officer, and forestry officer. So you kind of have, because you're one of the very few in a really broad area. So you have to be able to do a bunch of stuff. Right. So I did that for a time and uh, realized that I wanted a bit more, uh, that I was uh, had an amazing experience, but was kind of hitting a ceiling in terms of where I felt I was growing and what could continue to happen. And so I moved to Vancouver, Canada, and uh, to pursue my marine biology degree. Cool. So that, that sat in you so, so deeply. It did. It did. It was still, and even when I was living in Thailand, I was looking into some of the universities there and some huh. of their marine biology programs. So I'd played with a bunch of ideas and that was still sticking to me. And so I went down uh, to pursue that and I was going to be uh, going to university for that. And I was going to be joining the Naval Reserves so that I could okay. get uh, work on my dive. I have this great part-time job where I could get all this amazing training that felt like it aligned with yeah. my, uh, my degree and, 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 you know, do something that is connected to being of service, uh, which has also been a big part of everything I've done my whole life. Uh, so yeah. So leading into that, I blew my knee out two weeks out before boot camp. And I had qualified to get in with the divers and, uh, and everything. It was going to be awesome. And yeah, blew my knee out playing in a soccer tournament. Oh, shit. Uh, so I couldn't go to boot camp, and I was, would have had to have waited about a year. And then I got into, uh, into school and of a five course full load, I was only able to get into three of the courses because the others filled up. Two of the three were electives. So I had like one biology course. I was like, wait a second. It's going to take eight years. Like I'm, I've already, I'd already gone to college. I, was, I knew what I was wanting to get right. to. I just needed to go. And so I all of a sudden just started seeing all these doors closing. And so in the middle of biology class, sitting there trying to think, well, if this isn't where the direction I'm supposed to be moving, then what might that be? And it kind of, hit me out of left field and I decided to become an actor and uh, I went on to do that for the next four years. Wow. That's a little out of left field there. Super out of left field. And what's interesting was I was engaged to my now wife of 16 years and she knew me as this guy that was like outdoorsy, super active uh, environment. Like I was going into the reserves, like all of <laughs> <laughs> all of this stuff and I came home and I was so yeah I think I'm gonna I'm gonna quit school and I'd never quit anything in my life I was like I'm going to quit school that was a big learning lesson for me sure quit quit um and I'm going she's like okay and I'm gonna be an actor and she <laughs> was very honest she's like the thing that's hitting me is like, who am I marrying? Cause we're <laughs> Do you still love me. <laughs> yeah. We've been engaged for a little bit now and, but we're a month and a half out from the wedding. Like who is this guy? Wow. Cause that kind of came out of left field for her as well. And uh, then I pursued, yeah, the acting for four years and was in some film and television and 
uh, student productions and theater, uh, both cool. straight plays and musical theater. And what's really interesting was I really saw that as being key to my transition into the fitness industry eventually. Because on one hand, and now that we're talking about it, also being key to my continued growth as an effective mentor, coach, or teacher. One of the big things that going through the acting did for me was I've always, I can honestly say I've always been very empathetic and had a very strong intuitive sense and sure. being able to connect with people has never mm -hmm. been difficult. But early on, like in my early 20s, I had a few of my closer friends who actually made the comment, they were like, Shane, you help all of us. Like you help all your friends and you help us figure stuff out of the, the <laughs> mind, of the heart, of the soul, and like all these different things. Deep and level you, stuff. Deep level stuff. And they say, and we share so much with you and I'm so grateful but I still don't really know anything about you. And in that, I never leaned on them to also work through my stuff. Hmm. And there was a level of, and that really hit me when I heard it from a few of my close friends, just like completely independently, they mentioned this. And that was something that really struck me as understanding that, uh, due to my growing up scenario, I had learned to be very, very independent and to not rely on anyone, but even more than not rely on anyone, to not put my stuff on anybody else because they were going through their challenges too. Sure. And that was especially connected to my family. Like my family were all going through their challenges, so I didn't want to add my stuff. Sure. You know, this was my thought process as a kid. I was like, I didn't want to burden them with anything else. Yeah. And so I really took that on. And so there was this great degree of independence as a quality, great quality to have. But if you're going to make an impact, if you're going to continue being of greater service, you need to transition out of independence into interdependence and to be able to find not codependent, but interdependent. I like that where you are clearly you and who you are and being able to bring that to the table, but being able to ask for help and being able to sure. reciprocate whatever you give to be able to receive. Definitely. So there was an element, this ties back to the acting, there was an element of myself in that independence that had shut off my easy access to anger. Hmm. And, and I recognized that I really kept a, like a cap on that. And so when I went through the acting, acting when everything you do, in order for it to be really truthful, you have to be open and you have to be open to the other person so that sure. they can give as you receive and, and they can receive as you give back and forth. And I've always given. And even though people say I'm a good listener, I've never allowed myself to receive to the degree that opens the channel in a whole different way yeah. 
for that real soul to soul connection. Sure. And so going through the acting helped me peel back the layers on that. And that was something I was very conscious of as I went through because I could get into a space of emotion, but my teachers would call me on it. They're like, you do sadness really well. You do joy and laughter really well. You do all these things. But when you get angry, you put on anger. Ooh. You don't just be anger. Ooh, interesting. Okay. That's, yeah. that's wild. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of parallels to like your journey and like going through the five pillars in my head, like you mentioned, the unity and diversity piece. And then now I'm thinking like the balance and harmony piece, there was a little bit out of things out of alignment. And you're somebody that has been a very pure soul from the beginning, very truthful. And that probably stems from having like an amazing relationship with your mom and dad. Right. And having that type of experience firsthand to really know what these feelings are and to channel them through, which probably makes you obviously why you're, you're a really good connector. It's, it's amazing all these parallels that like I'm just like paying attention to in my head as you share your story here. And I also bet acting made you animated in front of people. So when you do a class, like you captivate a class right away. I noticed that right uh, about you right away. And it's something that I like to think in myself when I teach a class that I have this ability to captivate an audience. I think it's very important, especially when you tie in effective communication skills and passionate, enthusiastic expression. There's a lot that can be gained from that. So that's that's really cool man yeah and it and it's interesting because when you're acting you're a storyteller yeah and you're you play a part in the telling of the story and uh while while i've had some friends who are like acting where did that come from i also had other friends who were like that makes total sense <laughs> oh my god and so that's it cool. was yeah so it was neat to kind of have that but i think very much peeling back layers on my willingness to access fully all, you know, all the emotions. It's probably why I liked equilibrium with Christian Bale so much mm. is that recognition of like, well, you can't just shut an emotion off to stop other things without ending up shutting a lot of other things, or at least dimming it down and diminishing it to be able to feel and express the breadth of it. What that also does as a connector, which is such a huge quality for a mentor or a coach to genuinely help mentor or coach someone to help empower them. You have to be connecting to a level that they feel your openness and to make that kind of impact. And so to open that channel, they also need to be able to see the ups and downs that you go through and that sure. you feel and sure. uh, and then how do you process and work through that and that's been a, a huge gift for me as a father having my three kids that I was able to work through a lot of that before they were born or when they were very young so that as they've continued to grow I can address those things when it comes up, whether it's in me, whether it's in them, that we Huge. can go, no, it's okay to feel that. It's okay to be angry. If anything, it's better that you are than suppressing it. And then when we're allowed to feel it, then it makes it easier to process. And I think that's where a lot of fear that people have around allowing themselves to express anger comes from is the fear of what it means to then take the next step, which is then process it. Mm -hmm. And when you're processing it, usually you're processing it. I mean, to an extent yourself, 
but it has to do with something has triggered totally and that usually involves other people and so having sure. to face that super uncomfortable or you know some sort of trauma that's the one thing that that sits in my my brain when i hear that and then i was just watching this uh this London real interview with uh, a Chinese monk or Chinese master. And he was talking about how those emotions sit in your organs when you suppress them. And, Absolutely. and that, that to me is wild, you know, and it's important to acknowledge that this is actually taking place bio biologically in our system and to actually be aware of this happening so that, you know, we can take the protocols or the measures next to, to heal from within and, and try to alleviate some of that pain. Cause when the pain teacher does show it's for, it's for a reason. And, you know, we're constructed in this way that we're, we're designed that if we get still enough, we can listen to where those pains are coming from or uh, even like a, an actual journey, you know, and like just mm -hmm. listening to this journey, like, Again, I'm, I'm thinking in my head about all these types of parallels to truth. And here's a question that I wanted to ask you for later in the interview, but I just kind of want to like go where this is going to go. But like, what is your take on true north? Like, what does it mean to be aligned to your true north? Hmm. And does everybody have that? That's a great question. Um, I first off, I will say yes. I believe everybody has the potential to connect to true north and that true north to me i think is very much like a thinking about a calling mm -hmm. when something hits you and you are you're drawn to it and you resonate with it and you can't help but do it and you can't right. help but think about it and it's not just in oh I'm going to be a mentor or a coach. Oh, I'm going to be a marine biologist. Oh, I'm going to be a chef. That that that's not that's the surface expression of it. That's the expression that when you pull that away beneath the surface is what true north is. That's right. where the calling comes right. from. And so for myself, which I think for many of us, and that was something that I really felt from you during our weekend together at Steel Mace, is this idea of service to others, of mm. empowering other people, uplifting them to their greatest potential. And I think for a lot of people in our sphere, I don't want to say just the fitness industry, because the definition of what it means to be a fitness professional is completely different these days because it's, inter so it's an interesting us, one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause so many of us are not simply doing fitness. We are looking at it as a piece, an integral piece to the whole, the whole, the whole right. puzzle, the whole uh, kitten caboodle, the whole being, but an important piece and we use that as a connection to, just like you said, that interview with the monk being about, oh, when these emotions are not able to be expressed and they're being suppressed, where they need somewhere to go. They're not being allowed to come out or work right. through. So they have to go somewhere while our physical being holding on to trauma, emotional issues that haven't been worked out. Yeah, it sits there because the physical is part of the entire being. So every piece is working together to try and create that greater balance and harmony. 
Yeah. And so, yeah, so true north, I think, is is below the surface of what the expression is. And what I've recognized over the course of, uh, I guess, my journey is I was a, a big brother. I was a camp counselor. I was a coach for uh, some of the sports teams of the younger grades when I was in high school. Uh, I was in, I was serving as environmental protection right. and fish and wildlife, uh, being of service to the community and to the environment, uh, went into acting, was working on myself to peel the layers back. And all the while I was acting, I was, I was so connected to if someone coming to see the show or to see the play or that sees the movie that I got to be a part of, if I contributed to a turning point in that person's life because there was a shift in perspective mentally or a shift emotionally through the telling of the story, then I've helped that impact. Yes. Uh, and then after acting, I came out of that and realized it just wasn't the right, it wasn't the way my true north was going to be most yeah. impactfully expressed. Uh, that was when I transitioned into the fitness industry. And, and that was all about service. That was all about how do I empower people from where they are in their life right now, which could be great. It's not to take away from, well, my life is actually pretty good. That's so, that's awesome. That's great. What's the next little notch? Is right. there a way, are we content to sit back or are, is there a place that you could go that will expand how good that life is? Right. And not good by how I'm doing financially and how big my house is and how uh, the lack of conflict or tension or discomfort in my life. It's like, no, no. How am I being connected to purpose? Mm -hmm. And I think that comes, purpose is a, is a really key term that comes back to finding true north. Sure. Because true north, if we think of a compass and we always know where north is and then we associate where we go in the directions, because we have that as an anchor, that's what that purpose is. Right. True north is what you uncover as your true purpose. And having that then allows you to express it in different ways, express totally. it east, express it west, express it south, but it's based off of knowing where your purpose is. Sure. Yeah. And usually when those endeavors are driven from love, a loving standpoint, it sounds to me like you, you loved everything that you were doing, environment, uh, you know, the connection with people, the acting, you know, and there's so many valuable lessons you've learned from all those endeavors. Like, I think why it's so important, I, you know, John Beneducci, I met him at the, the on it weekend. It was, it was just so crazy how things lined up. And he, he was saying the whole time, he's like, you're right where you need to be. That's mm -hmm. why we always are right where we need to be. If we look at things in that regard, you know, it's always life is always showing you something that you can be learning and how you can integrate it with your personal growth and development. And yeah, like I'm just finding all these parallels. I think, and I think that's, a super that's such a powerful point to hit on as a reminder and ties back to true north like because you asked how do you find that 
And if where we are is exactly where we need to be, because every moment in life is an opportunity to learn and to grow, yeah. then the only way that we can receive what that moment is giving us is if we open ourselves up and take a moment to listen. Sure. And in this day and age, we're moving. There's so much, especially in Western culture, there's so much, but that's not even true because in Eastern culture, like say in Asia, traditionally Eastern, there's more space. There has been more space created for like, all right, I need to meditate. I need to take stock of where things are at. But uh, in Asia, they're they're revving just as hard, if not harder <laughs> yeah. than we Globally, are. Globally, I feel like we're we're all mismanaging our energy. It, what it comes down to, and what I think you're saying is, no matter what culture, Western, Eastern, we have to take a minute to do the energy audit and bring it back yeah. to center every so often, so that we could align back with those true feelings, those true north north feelings, yeah. and see what our nervous system is kind of telling us you know sometimes because our energy is out so much i mean i'm not telling you you're the freaking master it's like when our nervous system is no. too fired up we're not going to think as creatively we're not going to use our energy efficiently to heal we're not going to be our what we're supposed to be doing in that moment you know but to take minutes or hours or whatever throughout your week or month or so to just do that energy audit and bring it back and see what the fuck am i really doing here what's my purpose what is this making me feel what's the effect i'm having on my environment and, and all that i think it's totally to do you know? totally well and interestingly enough to keep going with the the true north analogy let's keep going know, with it because i i do I, there's more questions i got for you on that too all right because but when if you've ever done orienteering for anyone who hasn't done orienteering before where it's map and compass and you go out and you have waypoints that you're working towards and you have to find your way through and i've done a, a plenty of it and i love it it's so much fun But what you do, what often tends to be thought of if you're not familiar with it, anybody who isn't familiar with it is they think, oh, I look at the compass and then that's the heading and then I follow the compass and the compass will get me there. So I'm looking down, focused on this is the thing giving me the direction and then I just go. But when you actually do orienteering, what you do is you take your compass bearing and then you find a landmark and you go, okay, that's where I'm heading. Then you put your compass away and you walk to that landmark. At that landmark, you pull the compass back out and you go, okay, where are we? Oh, okay, everything's deviated just a little bit. So I'm going to reset and Ah. now I'm gonna pick the next landmark. So that energy audit that you're talking about, taking these moments that we're talking about to really reflect and go, where am I at? What am I doing? How am I progressing? as it relates to my purpose, AKA my true north, the direction I need to be moving in, requires me to go, all right, that's what I'm gonna do. There's my mark. Now I head towards it, but as I go, I have to keep coming back and rechecking and going, sure. am I still heading in the right direction? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's super important. Now let, let's talk about the mace and how it yep. actually has a physical effect on how energy flows through our system. So you were you were blowing my freaking mind with the whole music analogy. Mm-hmm. Now, the reason why my mind was being blown is cuz I had thought about this before. And I'm like, this guy is talking about 
things that I've thought about before. And now I'm getting deep to think about music on a whole nother, like it's a whole nother realm of reality for me. Mm. And I think that the human spine and the human body is just like a sheet of music. And reality is the song we're making. And the, the mace is our tuner. And the more mm. we could tune our system, you know, the greater song that we could make because we could infinitely attune ourselves to highest vibrations that in a music sense still exist, but we can't tune into, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, so I, I was having all these thoughts when you were explaining them to me. So let, let's, I want to hear your, your thoughts and elaborate on that. And how can we kind of intertwine or integrate true North in that regard? All right. That's, that's awesome. So, and uh, we'll, we'll use the mace as the primary tool example, yeah. but I would use this with any tool. With anything, a club, yeah. you know, a kettlebell, yeah. yo yoga. Bells. I think we're, what we're doing is getting down to the basis here of like the roots of yoga. There's these poses that open up the spine and, and these, these energy centers are attached to the emotion and all that. I'm just finding it today, this modern Tai Chi with the mace is what it is, basically. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I, so if we think about, that's one of the things that thinking about our, our being as a whole, right? We've touched on that a little bit already. Yeah. And it, for, uh, for discussion purposes, to make it really easy, if we look at, there's the physical, there's the mental, there's the emotional and the spiritual. Mm -hmm. And those are compartments, I think, that have made it easy for us as human beings. It's like infinite than a gazillion right. layers and right. four dimensions, right? <laughs> but it makes it easy for us in our, uh, in not limited capacity, but we're still working on actually figuring out what it means to be human to the degree. Sure, sure. And explaining this information nonetheless, trust me, throughout this process of <laughs> podcasting, I've been going back and forth on what types of terminology to use and how to express myself clearly so that we could have others comprehend this information. And, and it's right. very valuable too on a scale if you can really internalize it. Yeah, absolutely. On the note of mentoring, coaching, teaching, right. communication, right. and how the message gets across. Super right. important. Right. So if we think of those and we think of those components as uh, the components of the whole being, and it's interesting because when I transitioned into the fitness industry, I started training and coaching and I started my own business, which was Dare uh, uh, to Evolve. And everything that we've talked to up to now, it aligns. It makes sense. Yeah, that's, you know, Dare to Evolve is what I wanted to uh, help promote through my work. And the whole idea was it was still fitness based. It was still around moving our body. But because I've always looked at the physical as the vehicle, if we look at and think about our life and we have this one vehicle, sure, advances are allowing us to replace parts of the vehicle, but we can't replace the whole vehicle. We can help keep the one we have. This is the only one we have. And I think of the vehicle as carrying the emotional, the mental, and the spiritual, those components. And there is so much that we can do. There's so much that we can do mentally, emotionally, spiritually. And there are so many amazing works and uh, subject matter experts out there that are helping the world tap into that more. You know what? You can just use your mind to overcome 
challenges that you're facing. You can even for people whose vehicle is broken or for lack of a better term, the way we would view it, incomplete. And, and by that just meaning, and I have friends who are uh, adaptive athletes and who are missing limbs and doing things and they're overcoming amazing. It's not about having the perfect body. It's about doing the very best that we can for the vehicle that we have to continue supporting the journey of our being, which includes mental, emotional, spiritual throughout our entire life. And so the idea of having this vehicle, and if we treat the vehicle right and have it operating well, you know, when you have, you, when you have your car or your truck, and if you don't take care of it, you can get years out of it but it sure. kind of chugs along. It doesn't give you as good gas mileage. You're spending more. You essentially end up spending more time, more money, more uh, expending, more uh, harmful uh, you know, toxins and totally. things to the environment. All these components that actually take energy away. Whereas when you do take care of it, sometimes initially it can feel like a lot, but once you have it going, it, you're just you just keep giving it a little bit of love yep and then it runs so much smoother and then 100%. you're not running into issues right yeah. so on yeah to use that analogy and you know the the, the emotions we suppress i kind of use the car analogy it's like leaving your car on in the middle of the night mm. so to speak you know it's yeah. like what are you doing that for you know that it's just gonna cause more wear and tear in the vehicle and you're not gonna have efficient transportation so to speak yeah, you know? you're going to wake up the next morning and you're going to go, oh, it was off. I had it on all night. Ruh, 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 ruh. Oh, I'm out of gas. Yeah, right. <laughs> and you know what? Human, like the, car, the car will stop, but the human being fucking keeps going. Keeps going. You know, until some sort of disease or sickness starts to come about. And then until then, it's too late and it's affecting people negatively. And that's the power of the connection of all of these pieces mm -hmm. that are working together because we are driven by a uh, survival mechanism to ensure that the species carries on. It is amazing that we have gotten to where we are, yeah. let alone even walked on the moon <laughs> with, uh, you know, riding up in a refrigerator that, or a washing machine. A whole know, other like, conversation topic. A whole can... <laughs> other conversation. But it's amazing we've gotten to where we are as human beings considering the things that we have faced and had to overcome so but in this day and age and not that it hasn't been relevant all you know, all along but in this day and age with the lifestyle that we live and the type of technology that we have and all the things that we're continuing to uh, access and interact in a different way and live mm -hmm. in a different way because things are being taken care of for us we're still faced with a challenge on this yeah. We're still, we still have to attend to it. And what's interesting is that you could look at, okay, way back in the day when it was paleo and we were moving and things were better because we were moving. Well, you were old if you were 40. At 40, I would be an elder and it would be amazing that I reached this age. Right. You know, mortality was so much higher because of, oh, you got a cut. And now you have an infection that killed you. 
like there are so many things that don't get talked about right. that there are the advances in modern science and medicine and all of these things have done incredible things to help take care of all these other things that used to kill us. Now we have to find that degree of harmony though in continuing to do what this vehicle is meant to do. And that when the vehicle isn't taken care of and we aren't accessing its potential, then it does start to impact mentally. You sure. have folks, like whenever any of us, if we're feeling sad or depressed or even angry, you go for a run, you go for a walk, something simple. It doesn't even have to be super complicated, but that is an immediate connection to, all right, let me just get my vehicle moving. Mm -hmm. Things are starting to now flow through it mm -hmm. uh, from a physiological standpoint, a biological standpoint, an energetic standpoint, 100%. neurological, all the things are just like, oh, we're moving. Okay. And now we can kind of unclog whatever's feeling stuck. So going from that, that was for me because I've always been a physical person and I've always felt that correlation, even growing up, it was always striving to find what I could do with my body helped me connect more deeply to what I could continue to do with my mind and my spirit. And, and if anything, when I'm in that space, I do better in this space. I think most of us do. Even for those who are not as physically uh, drawn to movement, like very head people, it is such a balance, and, I, and I'll share this. This is something that I've recognized in my oldest son, who is now 14. And just such, I'm biased, I'm his dad, but <laughs> just such an incredible human being. Like, I can't believe seeing him develop and not just from what my wife and I have provided as an environment for him to develop, but seeing who he is coming to fruition and especially as he's getting into his teenage years seeing that more and more coming out he is a real head person this kid reads he thinks he's like and he needs he already knows my wife has done an amazing job of being able to and then and thereby myself as well supporting giving him all of our kids space to step back Yes. Take that time to reassess when they need to, because we recognize that is a skill that's going to serve them when they're adults. That's so important. I'm so world. glad. I'm so glad to hear that. And a lot of my clients are parents and they have kids in this age range. And I am subconsciously taking in this information from them because <laughs> I'm not a, I'm not a parent yet. But it's the thing that my wife and I talk about next. And it's the next joy that I'm really looking forward to experiencing a birth of a human and the whole process and the journey of, of nurturing them and watching them grow. I think what you're saying is so important because I feel like they're, you know, parents are also looking for answers too and how to connect with children, with their own children, how to, mm -hmm. you know, how to do this better so that we can grow a next generation, you know, trauma free or as little as, uh, you know, or at least the, with the understanding that, you know, traumas happen, how do we deal with them? You know, be mindful of your emotions. All and that's key. That's key. Cause I think it, we need as human beings, we need to be challenged. We need to have resistance. Yes. Uh, I think one example that my, uh, my parents had always shared with me when I was a kid and 
facing the challenges that we were facing was they said, well, it's like rust and it's the rust on the metal. And the only way you get through the rust to the shine of the metal is the friction of the sandpaper. Yeah. And so the harder that rubs and the hotter it gets, the more of the shine you're getting to. Yeah. And so I think what you just said there is, yeah, not to avoid the challenge, but how to equip them to be able to face the world and the challenges so that they are taking life like leaps and bounds beyond what you and I have been right. able to do thus far. Right. And thereby learning from them as we get older and yes. closer to wow. the end of our days, you know, psychedelic that, dude. Holy dude, shit. <laughs> we don't. Yeah. It's like, it doesn't end until it ends. Right. And just because we've gone through the most of our life, it doesn't mean that in those final years, I don't get to continue learning from these amazing human beings. Next level. And then being able to apply that. So that I can eke out, so that I can continue to dare to evolve and eke out the most. Yeah, no, definitely. I want to go back to what you said about the sandpaper analogy um, and then the dare to evolve, because I only got you for 10 minutes. And I think this is going to be a great way to close this out. So for right. us, the well, hobby, uh, maybe we'll, we'll come back at some point about the vehicle and all of the rest of that stuff. Later. Yes. Yes. Well, the no, tuning, there's this music. I think there's a whole, there's a conversation you and I are going to have about making music and we're going to make some music. Yeah, no, definitely. Well, I, I hope that this is like the first, cause I think, you know, connecting with you, there's so many different topics here. And, uh, I, I will say that, um, I've, I'm having a, a good, uh, ironically, in my head, I feel very connected to the words I'm about to say and where I want this conversation to go. You're a very easy guy to flow with here. And ooh, this is like the perfect way to say it because you're talking about the sandpaper and the, the rust and and developing a human and we have to go through resistance. Faraz Sahabi, who's a, is a, is a coach for a handful of MMA fighters, he talks about flow training. And uh, we can talk about steel mace flow, kettlebell flow, mm -hmm. ju just flowing in life, maybe going through machine to machine, seeing how you feel. But he talks about flow chart, which is, um, you know, a straight line going up on a, uh, it's a diagonal line going up on an X and Y axis point. And above the line is anxiety and, and under the line is boredom. So mm. your flow has got to be just right to where it's not too much anxiety and stress and not too much boredom, right? You need to find that line. And I think that's what flow training is. And the more we can practice this in meditation, movement in our day to day, those true north energetic feelings kind of come through and we, we have more of a, of a pure understanding of what that is with limited distortion. Um, so, I mean, we can talk about flow training with the mace and body weight and all the stuff that you guys are doing and on it and how it helps people connect to their true selves because dude there's a thing that's happening um with i mean specifically the mace community as i intermingle with it and podcast with them yeah. there's these revelations that are happening people feel like they're healing on another level and i think it's fucking amazing and they're coming up with their own ideas and and uh feelings and emotion and it's impacting so many people on, on so many levels um but yeah wh what are your thoughts on that flow chart and how do you in incorporate flow in your training that's okay. So that's huge. This actually isn't that far off from what we were just talking about. No, it's so, not. It's not. It's all the same. <laughs> <laughs> it's all the same. But that flow chart, I love that. I yeah. love that idea because that that is 
really it's interesting because even in training whenever people i think more and more there's more awareness coming about like there's really no maintaining it's like all right i'm going to train really hard for a goal or i haven't been training for a little while and so now i'm going to like train really hard and now i'm just going to maintain i'm just taking it easy and i'm just maintaining there's no maintaining it's either always up or down depending on where you're going it's never an exact straight line and i love that analogy as you know, as a basic example of, okay, X, Y axis, you have your line, and then through that, anxiety and boredom. Right. And what we're doing is we're constantly doing this yes. as we're flowing through, and you recognize when you start getting too comfortable or complacent, it's because tying in true north, we are wired, I believe as human beings, we are wired to continue to grow to continue to evolve because that is the very thing that has taken us from the beginning of eons ago, the beginning of existence to where we are now and where we are now, we already recognize we're barely scratching the surface of where we could go. Totally. And so we are wired to want to do more and to be more. And as such, when we're working with, um, with the tools and we're thinking about, okay, where does this flow? So we're wired to be more, so we can't be bored, but anxiety can also shut us down because it starts stepping into a lot more fear. Just and like I, even just like overtraining too, like too, too much, too much weight training. It puts you in that state as well. It it's puts the same you fucking in that thing. state. Yeah. It, it, it is a signal because anxiety, if you think of boredom, if you even think in our bodies, right? All right. Boredom. What does that look like physically? Fat slob. You can say right? it. Yeah. Anxiety. What does that look like? <sighs> right. Oh my God. Right. And so that kind of energy, that's the thing that is uh, not to dive down this one, but the idea between parasympathetic and sympathetic, mm -hmm. our nervous system being able to wind down and being able to ramp up. You need to be able to have both, but you need to be able to toggle back and forth between sure. both. So that flow chart, great example of oh, I'm riding the line between right. I should be doing something and it's okay to be on the edge of, oh, I don't know about this. I'm kind of like nudging my comfort zone. Yep. But without, if you force yourself and it's not bad to overreach into like, let me just jump straight into what will be completely like cause tons of anxiety. You got to see. You need to be able to come back. Right. You're not going to be able to be in a state of flow in that space. Right. So the tool and coming back into this uh the flow and i think the steel mace is a beautiful example of that because of the community that has continued to grow around flowing with it yeah my original tool that i began flowing with were steel clubs yeah i love the and, clubs too it's one of my favorites yeah and so that was something that and that was at a time when no one was really this is a while ago but this is like no one was really even in the community that i was where we were you know there was some flowing tight movements but in terms of flow the way you're seeing with a mace now i was starting to do stuff with that with the clubs a decade ago yeah at uh with kettlebells a decade ago and we were already starting to play with those things and Again, the reaction is like, what are you doing? Still. But everybody, it's still, but everybody who flows with a tool has exactly what you described, which is they start 
start opening up. They start going, oh my gosh, they get this surge of energy. And there is so much that our nervous system craves sophistication. That I believe being tied to as being as human beings, spiritually and emotionally and mentally, we're wired to get smarter, to learn a little bit more, to be able to express ourselves more, to just be more human, whatever mm -hmm. that ends up being. And so through that process, having a tool, let's say, let's just say steel mace that acts as a tuner at on it, the way we teach our education, all of our education revolves around creating greater awareness of your vehicle. If you have greater awareness of your vehicle, then you have a starting place to start tuning different things that are off, right? So if we were to go through and we were to take a tuner and go, ding, okay, that's doing okay, ding, okay, that's right. okay, and then dunk, dunk, all right, there's something off there. How do something I tune work? that back? How do I tune that back up? Almost like even like a guitar. 100%. Because you have the, the multiple tuning components, a piano, all these pieces that you're like, okay, this is in tune, this is in tune, this is in tune. And when everything is in tune or closer to, then you can start playing the music more effectively. And I think it's akin to when you listen to someone making music and uh, you want to encourage their expression and you want them to like find their music but you're sitting there kind of going because it's bang 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 yeah and but then once it starts coming into tune and it starts going you're like oh, okay i can hear it and what's interesting is i grew up and this one comes directly from the baha'i faith i grew up with this understanding that uh music is a ladder for the soul. And definitely connected, that's for sure. Yeah, that it is that music has a way of connecting to us on the very deepest level and can have the impact to either take us down or to really elevate what we feel and what we're doing. So if we think of, about that and bring it back in terms of the vehicle, our physical body being the vehicle that carries our being throughout this life if i tune this and the use of tools like the mace or the clubs or the kettlebells or even the barbells anything that you're using is an input anything that you're using is an input is a stimulus is an angle that every time i interact with it i have to readjust and then i get synced up with it and i'm like okay i can do this you know what I am totally tuned. I'm great. And then you get a different stimulus and you go, burr, burr, burr. wait, right. I need to try and get tuned to this. So everything that we teach through our education and the approach to the physical practice is how do I work on making this tunable to any tool, like to sync up faster than longer to any new tool? i.e. any new stimulus or input that I have. Right. And the more efficient I get at that, it means that those instruments, it's like those are the tuning forks, but really this is my instrument. And, and you're I pointing start, to your body. And I'm pointing to my body. Yes, I realize because I've been just using for audio, my hands Just for audio for purposes. Just for the, yeah. <laughs> I am pointing to my body, but my body is my instrument. 
So I can use the tool as a tuning fork to help create the feedback, right? Being able to listen to a tuning fork. You hit it and you're not, you feel some vibration, but what you're listening to is the tune from the fork to know, oh, where is that? When I pluck a string, how does it sound? Yeah. So the tool is the tuning fork. Our body is the instrument. And if we begin, and I love the way you said that, where people, and people are, people are making music with their bodies. And for me, when I think about right back to growing up as a kid and thinking about this, this idea of music is a ladder for the soul, then making music with my physical instrument becomes a ladder for progressing my entire being. Totally, dude. Like I, what you just said there to me describes a spiritual journey. Absolutely. You know, it's it's daring to evolve to me is what I define as a spiritual journey because that word can get kind of misconstrued in a lot of different ways. And I feel like the more you decide to go all in on trying to find what that true north is and making music with your body in layman's terms to me is manifest the reality that you want for yourself. But listen, you have to get still enough to listen. And I think when you get still enough to listen, you can make those types of decisions in and out of your life that will coincide with what you're truly feeling. And you're kind of there doing what you're supposed to be doing at that time. And, you know, when I started thinking about this idea of manifestation or listening to the works of Joe Dispenza and understanding this type of mm. information, I was just like out of left field, I had the idea of, you know, questioning, how does this work? What does this happen? How is this happening? And a friend of mine was like, dude, you're basically asking what basic humans asked when they were evolving. And what is the higher power? Is there a higher power? How do we connect to that higher power? And through this journey that I'm on my own business, helping people, taking workshops from guys like you and learning about this information and how to articulate it properly, I'm going through my own spiritual journey. And yeah. I didn't even realize it, you know? And then I'll tell you that because in that moment at the, at the, at the, um, at the workshop, you know, I had a, a thing where I basically lost consciousness for a second. And I, I, I wanted to understand a little bit deeper what the fuck that was. And, uh, you know, not till a few days afterwards. So I realized, honestly, everything that you were saying and the journey that I'm on, I felt so connected to it that it was a transcendent experience it was just like pure energy kind of coming through me at that moment in time. And I was like unconditional love at its purest moment ever in my life like that. And, um, it was just really, it was really crazy. And, um, it was kind of a crazy, but beautiful moment. Cause yeah. you kind of scared us. You scared us for a second. Yeah. And I was I, like, I, what is like, what just happened? And yeah, yet, the way sure. you came out of it was like, Oh no, he's totally okay. He just got hit on a level dude you all my all my points were getting tuned up to what i feel is driving my my vehicle every day mm. and um and like to put it in along the lines of what you're saying and it's just it was very very it was very cool because i felt like in the right moment at the right time and i i you know the next day you know i had crazy interactions with all these new people and you know, it was something that was very uh, moving to me and it's been fueling me this entire time. And like, I've, I'm so in, you know, inspired to keep pushing a, a message that's going to help each individual where, right where they're at. And I think this conversation today was a perfect example of all these things that a person, an individual can incorporate 
to uh, better themselves and better their wellness journey and, you know, find what is the right thing for them, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I, and, and it's interesting because flow, just to bring it back to that, because that's something that you, you do a lot of, I think yeah. for some people, people get it. There are some people like it connects, it resonates, not that they get it is that they, it resonates with them very strongly. And then others, it's just super unsure as like, what is this thing even doing? But that if we think about flow, it's really not about all the things it's about the the transitions in between the things. Mm. And if we think about energy and what frees up energy to flow, when we feel stuck, we're often have places where we are stagnant. We're actually yeah. stagnant energetically. We're stagnant in our body, we're which translates we're stagnant in our mind. We're stagnant in our heart. And it takes this inordinate effort to make this massive leap from one moment to the next. Totally. And the practice of flow from a base of everybody going, okay, what is this moment? What is this moment? What is this moment? What is this moment? Okay, now how do I start stringing them together? But being able to be in a place where like, oh, I can move from this to this. I can move from this. It's actually about the transitions. And as that starts to open up, then we feel this flow like a river moving totally. unobstructed. And that just frees up so much, which when we're in that state, no wonder people start feeling these massive um, connections and these massive states of expression. Moments of transcendence, I think. Absolutely. Because you're tapping into making music. When we think of the music analogy, it is the flow of notes all yeah. the way through creating an inter like an interaction internally and externally like such a powerful such a powerful practice to make a part of, of what you do and which is why are as passionate as they are because it's all coming out They're like oh my yeah, gosh will you guys sure. please like for sure take part in this <laughs> yes yes well at the end of the day that loving force is the key right you know you see all these you see these uh signs love is the answer i have this this picture of einstein it's like a psychedelic artwork and he's got a uh a sign that says love is the answer and mm. uh like i think that's what everyone means even what's his name said it uh uh elon musk on rogan's podcast he was like oh yeah answer and he's as wacky as it can get you know <laughs> um but hey dude i do have to run and i don't want to take any more of your time it's been oh. an hour this was this was epic and i'm really glad we got to connect i hope we can do it again because there's a lot of things that we can even go off on tangents and talk about that i think will better humanity and that's what this podcast is about so well, uh, first off, I'd like to say thank you for having me on. And it was my absolute pleasure. Uh, you are a great interviewer as thank you. podcasts go. Thank you. Uh, and uh, this was very, very easy for me. And yeah, it felt like we could probably sit here for three hours just Easily. talking about all kinds of stuff. Easily, but, which is uh, my goal. Like I want to do a Rogan-esque podcast. Like that's <laughs> my thing. I, I love connecting with people and you just made it super easy. Tell everybody where uh, they can find you and your Instagram and uh, in the show notes, I'll put links to the next on an Academy weekends and all that. Cause obviously yeah. I highly recommend all this. Well, I've uh, had, as I introduced at every on it certification, uh, training, education, 
I have the honor and blessing of serving as the director of fitness education for Onnit and have for the last four and a half years in conjunction with uh, my co-creator and our chief fitness officer, John Wolf. And so this is where I'm at right now. It's where I've been at and where I have the uh, wonderful opportunity to connect with Danny. And <laughs> that was uh, just being able to have a space to share uh, is so meaningful and to continue to grow myself as well as I get to connect with all these amazing people. Uh, the easiest place right now to connect through would be through Instagram. And my Instagram handle is my name, Shane Hines, at S-H-A-N-E-H-E-I-N-S. -E and, uh, and expressing through that medium because it is one that uh, many of us use. And so, yeah, that's the easiest place to connect. Or if you're ever coming down to Austin and you come to the Onnit Gym, I will be here and we have educations every month. We usually have one or two certifications every month and we have foundations, durability, and then specialty tools with steel mace, steel club, kettlebell, barbell, and uh, an opportunity to spend two days together and kind of like this conversation, Fuck dive yeah. a little deeper around honing in the uh, the instrument that is your vehicle through this life. definitely definitely man well this was an absolute pleasure and I, I look forward to coming down to on it again and doing another certification and just interacting with uh, some of the great people down there so i really appreciate this this was awesome and enjoy the rest of your day pal thank you so much danny you as well dude you're the man uh, and that was the podcast, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in. In the show notes, there will be a bunch of links to the next Onnit Academy certifications down in Austin, Texas. I highly recommend them if you are interested in learning how to use the steel mace, the steel clubs, and the kettlebell. Also, body weight movements as well. Shane's an awesome teacher. And obviously, you can tell from this podcast, there's a lot of knowledge to absorb. Thank you so much for tuning in. And uh, if you like what you heard today, make sure to rate the podcast five stars. Maybe leave a little bit of a comment and share this podcast with somebody that you love if you found value in it. Let's connect on Instagram. You can find me uh, at Danny Cole Fitness. And uh, let's connect in the DMs. All right. I love meeting new people. And that's it, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in. Have a wonderful day.